Thank you for being here this morning. If you would, turn in your Bibles to Revelation, the book of Revelation chapter 8. Just in a way of a quick review of where we're at, if you understand, if you've been here or if you've not been here, let me fill you in. Um, our class is called Preparing for the Kingdom, and it's actually looking at uh, the revelation of God that deals with the time period between the beginning of the day of the Lord, which begins with the rapture of the church, and it goes all the way into the coming back of Christ to set up his kingdom at the end of the tribulation time. So uh, the subtitle would be From Rapture to Revelation as we prepare for the coming kingdom on earth. Now last week we talked about the opening of the seals. If you'll remember in chapter 5 when it gives us the scene in heaven, there's uh, a scroll or a book that's sealed with seven seals and no one was found worthy to open the book except for the lamb, the lion of the tribe of Judah, which is Jesus Christ, the resurrected one who is the second Adam. He has proven his worth, his worthiness to open the book because he was tempted by Satan and he did not succumb to Satan's temptation and he was successful in um, redeeming us to God through his sacrifice on the cross. So now he is in heaven preparing to come back to take the rightful ownership of the earth and to set up a kingdom on earth. And so the seven seals are the events that will give birth to the kingdom age. So as we break the seven seals, it opens up the events of the seven-year tribulation that will give birth to the kingdom age. And so that's important for you to understand that as we look into this uh, in order to understand the book of Revelation, understand the chronology of the events of the book of Revelation and how it fits with all the other scriptures in the Old Testament, it's very important that you understand this understanding of the, how the book is opened with the seven seals. So last week we talked about the, the breaking of the seven seals. Now the seven seals are not a, a first set of judgments. The seven seals are the entirety of the judgments of the tribulation. And so all the seven seals are broken at the beginning of the tribulation, and then the consequences or the effects of those seven seals carry out through the entire seven years. So when we break the first seal in chapter 6, verse 1, it is a rider on a white horse that is giving the authority to go forth to conquer and to conquer. So here we have the Antichrist introduced as the first seal is broken. The Antichrist is introduced, and his program begins. And his program continues throughout the seven years. It starts with him um, assuming or, or helping to engineer a one-world government with ten kings or ten divisions of the, of the world. And he uses those ten kings to help him be promoted to the place of domination of the world at the midpoint. He also has introduced a false religion, a one-world religious system that is anti-Christ. And so the church that is left behind, the false church, Christendom, which is made up of both Catholic and Protestant churches that are completely not true believers, the true church is raptured out and Christendom is left behind. And then Christendom will join with the program of the Antichrist and apostatize, which means all of Christendom will apostatize and agree that Jesus Christ is not the Son of God and drop the name of Christ, drop the name of Christianity, and join in with a one-world false religious system that is the great harlot mentioned in Revelation 17. 
And this false religious system will be the the church or the, the religious system will be the ones that persecute the ones that become believers in the first half of the tribulation. So during the first half of the tribulation, and that's what we're going to talk about this morning is just the events of the first half of the tribulation. So during the first half of the tribulation, you have the Antichrist becoming the world political domination power that he's going to be at the midpoint. He's gaining his power through using these ten kings and through using the religious system to control the population of the world and to get to the place where he's going to take over. At the same time, you have a one world religious system that is, is put in place to control the people. And so if you do not accept the one world religious system and you, and you, be, you become saved or you, you follow Christ, then you're going to be persecuted and put to death and become martyrs uh, during the first half of the tribulation at the expense or at the behest of the one world religious system. Now the reason that you have the salvation of saints is through the preaching of the 144,000. So at the beginning of the tribulation, God has ordained and chosen and elected 144,000 Jews to be sealed to be His preachers of the gospel of the kingdom throughout the tribulation. And so during the first half of the tribulation, the preaching goes forth and many Gentiles are saved and then they will be, many of them, martyred by this false religious system. So the preaching of 144,000 is going forward during this first half of the tribulation. Also, the Jews who have entered into a special covenant with the Antichrist, that covenant will allow them to be separate from the rest of the religious system of the world and allow them to go back and to have a temple, whether it's built before the tribulation or at the beginning of the tribulation, they will have a new temple built in Jerusalem and they will be allowed to go back and to begin sacrificial system of worship under the Mosaic Covenant because they have already rejected Christ and so the message of the Antichrist that Christ is to be rejected, has already been rejected by the Jews, and so the Antichrist allows them to have their own special religious system, which is the Mosaic Covenant system, and they go back and begin temple sacrifices again. So if you read in Daniel chapter 9, verse 26, it talks about this Antichrist, this prince to come. He's going to enter to a covenant with Israel for seven years, and this is the seven years of the tribulation. And at the midpoint of that tribulation, he's going to break that covenant, and then he's going to stop the sacrifice and stop the worship in the temple. But during the first half, at least by the time of the midpoint, the temple will have been, have been built and the, the Jewish people will be sacrificing in the temple. Also during the first half, all of the effects of the first six seals are in place. The first seal was the Antichrist. He's, he's going forth to conquer and he's given the authority to do that. The second seal is that peace is taken from the earth and there's wars and rumors of wars there's conflicts throughout the world as people throughout the world are rebelling against the one world system and rebelling against the ten kings and eventually will be also rebelling against the Antichrist. So there's going to be a series of major wars and a continuation of rebellion during this time of the tribulation. The, the third seal is the introduction of pestilence and famines that are going to take place throughout the seven years because of the judgments that are going to fall during the trumpet judgments because of the wars, because of the, the conflicts that's going on, there's going, to be a, in, there's going to be famines and disease and pestilence. And then the fourth seal is death. 
as a result of the wars, as a result of the disease and pestilence and famine, as a result of wild animals, one-fourth of the world's population is going to die during the seven-year period from these four things. That was the fourth seal. The fifth seal was the opening uh, of the beginning of understanding about the martyrdom of the saints. So throughout the seven years, there's going to be a martyrdom of people who come to know Jesus Christ. In the first half, they're going to be killed by the false religious system, and they're going to be martyred. Anyone who doesn't name the name of Christ is going to bring, be brought into their persecution and their um, judgment, and they're going to be martyred. Then the second half of the tribulation, the Antichrist himself will have those beheaded that do not take the mark of the beast. So the first half, the, the saints are martyred by the, the religious system, and the second half, the saints are martyred by the Antichrist. Okay? The sixth seal is the introduction of natural disasters and terrors upon the earth. It's the, un, the, uh, the allowing, God allowing nature to explode. So you have meteors, you have earthquakes, you have blackouts of the sun. You have all these things that will continue throughout the seven years. It begins at the beginning of the tribulation, and there will be different phases of that throughout the seven years. So what you have is the opening of the first six seals, and then the effects of those six seals carry out the judgments of God and the wrath of God throughout the seven-year tribulation. Are there any questions about what we covered last week about the opening of the first six seals? Any questions? Everybody understand kind of where we're at? We're talking about this specific time of tribulation that correlates with the 70th week of Daniel in Daniel chapter 9 when there were 70 weeks of Daniel that were ordained of God to accomplish everything that he had promised for Israel. And so this is the last of the 70 weeks of Daniel. This is the 70th week. This is the last seven-year period. And it begins when the Antichrist enters into a covenant with Israel, and it will end when Jesus Christ comes back to the earth to save Israel and to put an end to the times of the Gentiles. Okay. Yes. That's next week. Oh, well, <laughs> maybe two weeks. I, th I, think, I, th I don't think I'm teaching next week. Daryl's going to teach next week. And then in two weeks, we'll pick up that. We may get to it today, but I don't think so. The, the time of the two witnesses is in the first half of the tribulation also. Um, but we'll... Well, they start at the beginning, and they go for 1,260 days. So they, so they are doing... They're in Jerusalem only. The two, the, the, the two witnesses, and we'll talk about who they are. The two witnesses are in Jerusalem, and they have the same power that Elijah had and Moses had. They, have, uh, they are filled with the Spirit. They're controlled with the Spirit. And they're given powers to execute their witness, and they can't be killed. And so for 1260 days, they are in Jerusalem, and they're proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ, they're proclaiming the truth about who Jesus Christ is, and no one can, can harm them, and they have the power to bring fire down from heaven, they have the power to do a lot of things just like Elijah did. So we'll talk about the two witnesses, but they are prophesying and, and declaring the truth of God during the first 1260 days. So there's, if you'll, if you'll notice, we'll go through the book of Revelation. And you've got to understand that the book of Revelation is a chronology of the seven years. So you have 1260 days, you have 42 months. That is, that is equal amounts of time for the first half and the second half of the tribulation. And then the middle, the middle point, which is what we'll talk about next lesson, is what happens at the midpoint to change the dynamic of the first half to the second half. And so the, the two witnesses will talk about 
because they come at the end of the, uh, the, the, the prophecy or the, the, the revelation of the two witnesses comes at the end of the section in chapter uh, 11. It's section of the, it comes at the end of the section dealing with the chronology of the first half of the tribulation. Okay? So this morning, if you will turn to chapter 8, we're going to talk about the opening of the seventh seal and what it means. So we'll begin a reading in verse 1 of chapter 8. And when he broke the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven for about half an hour. And I saw the seven angels who stand before God, and seven trumpets were given to them. Another angel came and stood at the altar holding a golden incenser, and much incense was given to him that he might add it to the prayers of all the saints upon the golden altar which was before the throne. And the smoke of the incense and with the prayers of the saints went up before God out of the angel's hand. And the angel took the censer and filled it with the fire of the altar and threw it to the earth. And there followed peals of thunder and sounds and flashes of lightning and an earthquake. And the seven angels who had the seven trumpets prepared themselves to sound. Okay, so we're at, you, this is the seventh seal. Now, if you understand, what I'm saying is that the seven seals are the entirety of the events of the seven years. So as you open each seal, then the consequences and the things that come out of that seal continue for the seven years. So the seventh seal begins a progression of judgments. Now, whereas the seven seals are all opened at the beginning and the consequences of the seven seals go for the entirety, the seven trumpets are, consequ I mean, they follow each other. There's a procession of the judgments of the seven trumpets that begin at the beginning of the first half of the tribulation and continue to the midpoint. At least the six seals do. I mean, the six trumpets do. So the first six trumpets begin at the beginning of the tribulation and continue until the midpoint. The seventh trumpet is unique and different, and we'll see what it is. It goes into the second half of the tribulation. So you have one trumpet that follows the, another trumpet, that follows another trumpet, up until the sixth trumpet. So these go in order. So there's a chronology of the trumpets, whereas the seals are all broken at the beginning, and then out of the seventh seal come the seven trumpet judgments, and the one follows the other of the trumpet judgments. Does that make sense? If you only had a chart, I, <laughs> I will get you another chart that deals with the seven years. Okay, we're working on that. The chart that you have is for the entirety of the time frame that we're talking about. But, okay, so are we ready to begin the seventh trumpet? Now, the seventh seal, again, whereas the sixth seal was a series of natural disasters that God uses to pour his wrath out upon the earth, and these will continue throughout the seven years, the blackouts of the sun, the earthquakes, the meteors, all the things that God uses from nature to bring wrath upon the earth will be continuing throughout the seven years. There's more than one blackout of the sun. There's multiple times of these earthquakes. So these things are going to be continuing. The seventh seal is unique in that what comes out of the seventh seal are all supernatural judgments. They're not what God uses from the natural world as such. He, these are supernatural judgments. And as you'll see, it involves a lot of demonic activity, okay? So this is God using Satan's demons and Satan's uh, program to carry out wrath and judgment upon the earth at the same time that the other judgments are falling. So the seventh seal involves supernatural judgments. First, the seven trumpets, 
And then in the second half of the tribulation, the seventh trumpet and the seven bowls of the wrath of God that are poured out in a supernatural way. Okay, so the first trumpet in verse 7 of chapter 8, the first sounded, and there came hail and fire mixed with blood, and they were thrown to the earth. A third of the earth was burned up, and a third of the trees were burned up, and all of the green grass was burned up. Okay, here's the first trumpet judgment on the earth. Now, if you'll remember back when we read about the 144,000 um, uh, 145, Jews, if you go back to chapter 7, there was an interlude there in chapter 7 given the understanding about the 144,000 Jews that were going to be used of God to preach the gospel during the seven-year period. But it says in chapter 7, uh, verse 1, it says, After this I saw four angels standing at the four corners of the earth, holding back the four winds of the earth, so that no wind should blow on the earth or on the sea or any tree. And I saw another angel ascending from the rising of the sun, having the seal of the living God. And he cried out with a loud voice to the four angels, to whom it was granted to harm the earth and sea. Do not harm the earth or the sea or the trees until we have sealed the monsters on our, of our God on their foreheads. So before any of the judgments were allowed to pour out upon the earth, you had to have the 144,000 sealed. They are protected. They cannot be harmed. They will survive the entirety of the tribulation. The 144,000 Jews are the first fruits of the Jewish remnant that survive and go into the kingdom age. If you remember when we talked about Romans chapter 11, that it talks about the natural branches that, were, that, that came out of the rich root of the, of the olive tree. And the natural branches were cut off. And the wild branches were grafted in. That's the fact that the Jews were given the responsibility of God to be the ones to witness about God's revelation and God's righteousness and God's salvation to the world. When they rejected Jesus Christ, the Jews were cut off from that responsibility and the Gentile church was grafted in. Now the Gentile church will continue until the, the true church is raptured out and then the Gentile church, Christendom, will be cut off. And the Jews will be grafted back in. The 144,000 are the first fruits of that grafting back in of the Jews becoming the witnesses again of God upon earth. So during the tribulation time, it's not the church that's doing the witnessing. It's the 144,000 Jews that are preaching the gospel of the kingdom. You understand that? The church is raptured out before. The 144,000 Jews are sealed at the beginning. And they preach the gospel of the kingdom throughout the tribulation time. Okay. So, they're sealed prior to these judgments of the trumpets being poured out. Okay, the first trumpet judgment, it says a third of the earth is burned up, a third of the trees were burned up, and then all the green grass was burned up. Now, the question is, is this a worldwide judgment, or is it specific? We don't know. When it says a third, it could be a third scattered all over the earth, or it could be the entirety of the Western Hemisphere. We don't know. So whatever it is, there's going to be a judgment poured out, and it's a supernatural judgment that comes from heaven. It's probably engineered by demonic activity, but it's, it is a judgment upon the survivability of people because it's destroying the ability to have crops and to have the, the earth produce food. So this is one of the reasons why there's a famine. It's because a third of the earth is not able to produce any food now. So the first trumpet judgment is that a third of the earth is rendered without the ability to produce 
vegetation that will be good for mankind. And again, we don't know whether it's a third of the earth that is scattered around the, whole, the entirety of the earth or if it's located in one segment. In fact, there's some reason to believe that the Western Hemisphere will be destroyed during the tribulation and it won't even be there because the, we know that the Middle East and the, the region around Babylon and Israel is intact all the way to the end. So we don't know. The, the, the Western Hemisphere could be completely annihilated during the tribulation. Okay, verse 8, the second angel, the second trumpet sounded, and something like a great mountain burning with fire was thrown into the sea, and a third of the sea became blood, and a third of the creatures which were in the sea and had life died, and a third of the ships were destroyed. Again, here we have a third of the ocean, the saltwater seas, is destroyed. Destroyed from the habitation of life, Fish, animals that are in that part of the sea are destroyed. A third of the ships that are in that part of the sea are destroyed. Again, we don't know if it's a third over the whole entirety of the, the planet and the oceans or if it's localized. But you have a judgment upon the ability of the earth to produce food from the sea and to have commerce is limited because the ships are destroyed that would be involved in the commerce. The, I, I would say that the the, what is it, the chain, the, that the supply chain is, is, is diminished because a third of the ships are destroyed at this time, okay? So and it's going to have an impact on the viability of the world to, to have food shipped to, to places, again, adding to the starvation and the famine and the lack of food supply around the world. Okay, the third... In verse 10, and third angel sounded, and a great star from, hell, from heaven burning like a torch, and fell, and it fell on a third of the rivers and on the, and on the springs of waters, and the name of the star was called Wormwood. Now, when you have a specific name like this to a star, you kind of get the impression that the star is symbolic of a fallen angel, and this is a fallen angel that has been given the power to corrupt and destroy the fresh water of the earth. So it almost tends to lead to the fact that the first three trumpets were also, I mean, the first two trumpets were also part of a demonic uh, activity that was allowed to happen to destroy parts of the earth. So the third angel sounded, and a great star fell from heaven, burning like a torch, and it fell on a third of the rivers and on the springs of waters, and the name of the star is called Wormwood, and a third of the waters became Wormwood, and many men died from the waters because they were made bitter. So here you have again, not the salt water supply, but the fresh water supply of the earth. A third of the fresh water supply of the earth, a third of the rivers, and the fresh water is destroyed with poisoned water. And therefore, it's unusable. People died from drinking it, and the animal life or the fish in those uh, fresh water systems was destroyed also. So again, you have a third. God is judging gradually, pouring out His wrath upon the earth, and it's causing a great impact on the people that live upon the earth. Now this is going on in a consecutive way. So you have first you have the a third of the earth burned up with fire, then you have a third of the oceans destroyed, then now you have a third of the fresh water. Now this is going over a period. Now we don't know how quickly they come one after another, but they all come between the beginning of the tribulation and the midpoint. These first six trumpets occur. Okay, so we're, we're progressing in the time period between the beginning of the tribulation and the midpoint, which is three and a half years later. So is the same area um, affected? In other words, 
We don't know. If it's, if it's specific to one area, and it, for instance, if you took the Western Hemisphere and you destroyed the oceans around the Western Hemisphere and, and you destroyed the, the, the land with fire, and now you've destroyed all the fresh water in the same area, it could be the same continual judgment on the same area. Okay. It's God judging America because we... <laughs> More, yeah. Well, there's still people living, but as you see, it's going to get worse as we as we go into the seven-year period. It's going to get worse. Okay, the fourth angel sounded in verse 12, and a third of the sun, and a third of the moon, and a third of the stars were spitten, so that a third of them might be darkened, and the day might not shine for a third of it, and the night in the same way. And again, we have the same situation. Is it that one area of the earth? is blotted out a third of the earth completely from the sun or is the sun only shining a third of the day all over the world? But whatever it is, the light from the heavenly bodies is diminished by a third. A light of the sun, a light of the moon, a light of the stars is diminished on earth. Now it's either diminished entirety in one third of the earth or it's diminished by a third of the day over the entirety of the world. And again, this uh, has an impact on uh, a lot of things, um, but that is what the fourth trumpet is about. It is about the heavenly bodies being diminished uh, in their use for the earth. If you remember in the creation account, the fourth day when God created the sun, the moon, the stars, he created them to give light upon the earth and for signs and for seasons and all the things. So the earth was the center of God's created world, even though people say the earth is not the center of the universe, the earth is the center of God's creation. And everything else in the universe was created for the benefit of man on the earth. One more question, sorry. Um, is, do people think that maybe it's nuclear? In other words, that would poison the water and that would uh, blot out the the sun from all of the destruction, or is that something that's credible, or I've heard that theory? It is not from the standpoint that man has engineered a nuclear bomb to do this. It is strictly from God. This is a supernatural judgment that comes from either demonic beings or from God himself. This is not man messing up and blowing off a nuclear bomb. Okay. Yeah, it's a good question. Okay. Okay, so this is supernatural judgments coming down from God. So you have the first four, which deal with elements of the created world that have an impact upon humanity on earth, okay? In a negative way. Now we get to the next three, which become more serious. In verse 13, and I looked and I heard an eagle flying in mid-heaven saying with a loud voice, woe, woe, woe to those who dwell on the earth because of the remaining blast of the trumpet of the three angels who are about to sound. So the first four were bad, but the next three are worse. It's going to get bad, okay? So verse chapter 9, we have the th first of the woe judgments, which is the fifth trumpet judgment. In verse 1 of chapter 9, it says, And the fifth angel sounded, and I saw a star from heaven, which had fallen to the earth, 
and the key of the bottomless pit was given to him, and he opened the bottomless pit, and smoke went up out of the pit like the smoke of a great furnace, and the sun and the air were darkened by the smoke of the pit, and out of the smoke came forth locusts upon the earth, and power was given to them as scorpions of the earth have power, and they were told that they were, should not hurt the grass of the earth, nor any green thing, nor any tree, but only the men who do not have the seal of God on their foreheads, and they were not permitted to kill anyone but to, to torment for five months, and their torment was like the torment of a scorpion when it stings a man. And in those days men will seek death and will not find it, and they will long to die, and death flees from them. And the appearance of the locusts were like, was like horses prepared for battle, and on their heads, as it were, crowns like gold, and their faces were like the faces of men, and they had hair like the hair of women, and their teeth were like the teeth of lions, and they had breastplates like the breastplates of iron, and the sound of their wings was like the sound of chariots of many horses rushing to battle, and they have tails like scorpions and stings, and in their tail is their power to hurt men for five months. They have as king over them the angel of the abyss. His name in Hebrews is Abaddon, and in the Greek he has the name Apollyon. The first woe is past. Behold, two woes are still coming after these things. So again, we have a progression. You had the first trumpet that, that burned up the grass, right? And then you had the oceans, and then you had the fresh water, and then you had the, the heavenly bodies. And now you have, this is not in the same time frame. So you're, you're progressing over three and a half years. And as we're getting closer to the end of the three and a half years, you have this fourth trumpet, which is the first woe. So it's toward the middle of the tribulation, because what's happened here? It says they're told not to hurt the grass. I thought the grass was all burned up. So it was burned up, and then it's grown back. So you have a progression of time. So now you have these, the release of these demons from the pit, from the pit where they've been held, and these demons come out, and they are to torment for five months. So we have a length of time here. So you've, you've progressed from the beginning of the tribulation to closer to the middle of the tribulation. And for five months during this span of time, this first woe judgment is allowed to come upon the earth. And these demons come out of the pit of hell. And they are uh, either this angel that is the king of the abyss is an angel under Satan or Satan himself. But it's the angel in charge of the angel of the demons in the pit and he releases them, and they're sent forth, and they cause torment upon everyone except those that have the seal. Who's the ones that have sealed in the foreheads? 144,000 cannot be harmed by Satan and his demons. The other people of the earth can. So during the five months, these demons torment the people to such a degree that they desire to die, and they can't die. It's that strong a torment. Question. Did this mark of the seal of God include those that were converted by the It doesn't say that. If they were sealed, they couldn't be martyred. And they can be martyred. So they could probably be tormented also. Okay, this is the, the seal on their foreheads is the 144,000 that are protected from any of the judgments of God during the tribulation. Is this believers or all people? This is all people. The torment is upon the people on the earth, not believers. They torment everyone. And now this is demons. This is not helicopters. This is not, you know, you get all kind of people saying all kind of things. This is, this is uh, what they call those helicopters that, uh, 
an Apache helicopter. It's not Apache helicopters that, that are spewing out fire from the tails and all that stuff. This is real demons. They, they look like women and they have teeth and like the teeth of iron. When, when John is describing these events, he uses symbolic language because there's probably nothing he can, could directly talk about from, from nature. And so he has to compare it to what it kind of looks like to him. And so he's looking at demons, and he's trying to describe what these demons look like, but he's not talking about an Apache helicopter, okay? He's talking about real demons. And they, for five months, they torment the people on earth. Any questions about this one? Now, this is getting more intense because you're having the outpouring of Satan's wrath and Satan's demonic activity on earth. Okay, now you have the, the, the next woe judgment, which is the worst one of, of so far. Verse 13, and the sixth angel sounded, or the sixth trumpet sounded, and I heard a voice like from the four horns of the golden altar, which is before God. And one saying to the sixth angel who had the trumpet, release the four angels who are bound at the great river Euphrates. And the four angels who had been prepared for the hour, for the day, and the month and year were released so that they might kill a third of mankind. And the number of the armies of their horsemen were 200 million. And I heard the number of them. And this is how I saw in the vision the horses and those who set on them, the riders had breastplates the color of fire and hyacinth, hyacinth, huh? Hyacinth. And a brimstone and the heads of the horses are like the heads of lions and out of their mouths proceed fire and smoke and brimstone. A third of mankind was killed by these three plagues, by the fire, the smoke, and the brimstone which proceeded out of their mouths. For the power of the horses is in their mouths and in their tails, for their tails are like serpents and their and have heads with them, they do harm, and the rest of mankind who were not killed by these plagues do not repent of the works of their hands so, so as not to worship demons and the idols of gold and of silver and of brass and of stone and of wood, which can neither see nor hear nor walk. And they did not repent of their murders or their sorceries nor of their immorality nor of their thefts. So here you have the fifth trumpet judgment, which is the second woe judgment, and these four hierarchy angels of Satan's kingdom release 200 more demons. These are not men. This is not Chinese armies. This is demons. And they come out of the area of the river of Euphrates, which is where? The area of Babylon, where the Tower of Babel was, where Satan's kingdom is going to be. So this seems to indicate the place of evil proceeds out of the area of Babylon, but these 200 million demons, now you can imagine, 200 million demons are going to be let loose on the earth and they're going to kill a third of mankind. Now if you remember, you go back to the fourth, the, the fourth seal, or the fourth horseman of the apocalypse, one-fourth of the world's population are killed by the events of the seven years, the, the wars, the famines, the disease, the pestilence. The wild animals are going to kill a fourth of mankind on earth. Here you have another third of mankind that are killed at the point, at the time that this happens. A third of the, man, the people that live on earth at the time that this, this trumpet jumping happened are killed by these de demons. So you got a fourth killed by these other things, and you got a third killed by demons. It's well over half of the world's population is going to die during the seven years. Because we have other people killed by drinking bad water. we got other people killed by different things. So you, you, if you add all these up, it's well over half the world's population is going to die in a period of seven years. So you got, right now, you got close to what, eight billion, 8 billion people on earth? So in a short span of time, 
you're going to have a lot of people die. And that's part of the tribulation judgment is the destruction and the wrath of God being poured out upon the world. Okay? So these are demonic beings that are loosed on the earth and they have the authority to kill a third of the population of the earth. And physical. And they are physical. They are real. They have the appearance. They just like Satan can take on the appearance of a serpent. He becomes a serpent. He, he, didn't, he didn't possess a serpent that God created. He became a serpent. So angelic beings have the, have the ability to take on flesh, to take on a being, to take on a physical appearance. And this happens at the end of the first half. Okay? You say, how do you know that? Well, let's go to chapter 11. Chapter 11 talks about the two witnesses, and we'll, we'll mention those real quickly. In chapter 11, verse 1, it says, And there was given me a measuring rod like a staff, and someone said, Rise and measure the temple of God and the altar and those who worship in it, and leave out the, the court which is in, outside in the temple, and do not measure it, for it has been given to the nations, and they will tread underfoot the holy city for 42 months. Now, the 42 months that the holy city is treading underfoot is identical to the 42 months in chapter 13. So if you go to chapter 13, it talks about the Antichrist taking over the dictatorship of the world, it says in verse 5 of chapter 13 of Revelation, there was given to him, the Antichrist, a mouth speaking arrogant words and blasphemies and authority to act for 42 months was given to him. And so he, it says in verse 7, he, it was given to him to make war with the saints and to overcome them and authority over every tribe and people and tongue and nation was given to him. So the Antichrist is going to rise to complete domination and power at the midpoint. And this is what it's talking about here. At the midpoint, he's going to do the final trotting down of Jerusalem and of the temple and destroying Israel. Now, if you remember, the times of the Gentiles began with Nebuchadnezzar, right? Now, what did Nebuchadnezzar do? When Zedekiah rebelled against Nebuchadnezzar after he'd taken some of the people kidnapped and took them to Babylon, and then Zedekiah was allowed to continue, but then he rebelled thinking he was going to get an alliance from Egypt or someone that's going to protect him, Nebuchadnezzar came in and destroyed them, destroyed the city, destroyed the temple, and began the times of the Gentiles, which is the time when God uses Gentiles to trod down Jerusalem. And so this is going to continue for the last 42 months of the tribulation because Jesus said in, in Luke chapter 21, when he pronounced judgment upon Israel, he says, in verse 24 of 20, uh, Luke 21, he says, And they will fall by the edge of the sword and will be led captive into all the nations, and Jerusalem will be trodden down or trampled underfoot by the Gentiles until the times of Gentiles be fulfilled. So from Nebuchadnezzar's uh, reign of terror to the Medes and the Persians to the Grecians, including Antiochus Epiphanes, and then the Romans, they were all dominating and trotting down Israel and Israel has not had their own king since Zedekiah was taken captive by Nebuchadnezzar and taken to Babylon. Israel has not had a king, and they will not have another king that is ordained of God until Jesus becomes the king. And during that time from Nebuchadnezzar until this time of the Antichrist, it, Jerusalem will be trodden down continually by the Gentiles. Okay, that's what he's talking about. So, in chapter 11... So the city will be trodden underfoot for the final 42 months of, or the final three and a half years of the tribulation. 
And I will grant authority to my two witnesses, and they will prophesy for 1260 days. Now, 1260 days is the same time frame as 42 months. On the Jewish calendar, each month has 30 days, and so for 42 months, it's 1260 days. And these are the same time frames that are mentioned in Daniel's prophecy. It ties in with the seven years of the final 70 years of Daniel, the last seven years. And this is a, that's why the book of Revelation starts in chapter 6 and it goes through chapter 19. And it is a chronology of that seven years. So you have to understand the book of Revelation in that chronology. It happens over time, over a seven year period of time. So for the first 12 and a half, for the first 1260 days, these two witnesses are prophesying in Jerusalem. They're standing in Jerusalem and they're prophesying. And he goes on and says, it says, These are two olive trees and the two lampstands that stand before the Lord of the earth. And if anyone desires to harm them, fire proceeds out of their mouth and devours their enemies. And if anyone would desire to harm them in this manner, he must be killed. They have power to shut up the sky in order that rain may not fall during the days of their prophesying. And they have power over the waters to turn them to blood and to smite the earth with every plague so often as they desire. And when they have finished their testimony, the beast that comes up out of the abyss will make war with them and overcome them and kill them. And their bodies will lie in the street of the great city, which mystically is called Sodom and Egypt, which, where also their Lord was crucified. And those from the peoples and tribes and tongues and nations will look at their dead bodies for three and a half days and will not permit their dead bodies to be laid in the tomb. And those who dwell on the earth will rejoice over them and make merry and they will send gifts to one another because these two prophets tormented those who dwell on the earth." And after the three and a half days, the breath of life from God came into them. They stood on their feet, and great fear fell upon those who were beholding them. And they heard with a loud voice, they heard a loud voice from heaven saying to them, Come up here. And they went up into heaven in the cloud, and their enemies beheld them. And in that hour there was a great earthquake, and a tenth of the city fell, and 7,000 people were killed in the earthquake, and the rest were terrified and gave glory to the God of heaven. The second woe is past. Behold, the third woe comes quickly. So at the end of the, third, uh, end of the second woe, you have this understanding that the Antichrist, and we'll talk about this next time, the Antichrist is killed in his attempt to control the ten kings. He's killed and he's brought back to life. And when he comes back to life, he is completely empowered by Satan. And the first thing he does with his empowerment from Satan is to kill these two witnesses that have been protected by God. And so the whole world that's going to worship after the Antichrist, they rejoice because the Antichrist, remember, during the tribulation, you're either on this side or you're on this side. You're either a follower of Jesus Christ and believe in the preaching of the 144,000 and the two witnesses, or you are a follower of the false religious system and a follower of the message of the Antichrist that Jesus is not the Son of God. You're not, there's nobody in the middle. So all these that are on this side, that have not been saved are excited and are delirious because these two witnesses that represent Jesus Christ in Jerusalem have been killed by the Antichrist, meaning that they believe that the Antichrist was superior and his, his deception was true and that he has destroyed these two witnesses of God. And so they're, they're cheering, they're, they're shouting, they're giving gifts, they're celebrating. It's a great day of joy. They leave their bodies in the streets so they can celebrate over their bodies. And then all of a sudden, their bodies come to life. And the third sign of Jonah. Remember the sign of Jonah? No more sign will be given to the Jews except the sign of Jonah. What was the sign of Jonah? The resurrection from the dead. 
It occurred with Lazarus. It occurred with Jesus Christ. And now it occurs with these. When the whole world sees these two resurrected and they go up to heaven. Ooh, we thought we had victory and now we're doomed. These two that witness that they were the representatives of God, represented Jesus Christ on earth, they have been resurrected to life and now they've gone up to heaven. And the whole world sees it. That means, however, whatever means, it's going to... It's going, to be, it's going to be streamlined to the whole world. Everybody on earth is going to see this resurrection. So every Jew that's on earth is going to see the, the last sign of the resurrection, the last sign of Jonah, and eventually that's what's going to be, the sign that brings them to salvation in Christ, the remnant. Okay. So the second woe is past. At this point, which is the midpoint, and these are these are killed. These two witnesses are killed, and they're resurrected at the very midpoint of the tribulation. And so, for the next two chapters, chapters twelve and chapters um, thirteen, are the events that take place right at the middle of the tribulation. And if you look in, in verse fifteen, and then we'll stop at this. In verse fifteen. The seventh angel sounded, and there rose a loud voice in heaven, saying, The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of His Christ, and He will reign forever and ever. And the twenty-four elders who sit on the thrones before God fell on their faces and worshipped God, saying, We give thee thanks, O Lord God the Almighty, who art and was, and because thou hast taken thy great power and hast begun to reign. Now, doesn't mean that, the, that Christ has come back yet. It means the seventh seal, or the seventh trumpet, I mean, is going to bring in the finality of the kingdom of Satan that's going to be destroyed by the coming of Christ. So the, the seventh trumpet, the third woe, is the unholy trinity unleashed on earth. So for the second half of the tribulation, you have Satan, and we'll read this in, in chapter 12 next week, or next time we meet, Satan will be cast from his ability to go before God in heaven. He will cast, be cast down to earth. His war will be with the people of God. The beast that he has resurrected from the dead will become the Antichrist dictator, the beast that will rule the earth. The false prophet is introduced as the false Holy Spirit. So you have the unholy trinity. You have the dragon who is Satan himself on earth who calls all people to worship the beast. In worshiping the beast, they're worshiping the dragon. And then you have the false prophet who calls people, he builds the, the image of the beast in the Holy of Holies, and he causes all men on earth to worship the beast. And it says there in chapter 13, verse 8, And all who dwell on the earth will worship him, everyone whose name has not been written from the foundation of the world in the book of life of the Lamb who has been slain. Everyone who is not elect of God in the second half of the tribulation will worship the Antichrist and take the mark of the beast. If you take the mark of the beast, you cannot be saved because if you take the mark of the beast, you were not known before the foundation of the world. Does that make sense? Everyone who was known before the foundation of the world did not worship the beast and did not take his mark. 
So taking the mark of the beast, as we'll see next time we come, taking the mark of the beast is giving your soul to the devil. It's worshiping the Antichrist. And you can't do that if you've been chosen of God before the foundation of the world. Okay, we're going to stop there because we're running out of time. It's after 12. Uh, next time we, we're going to meet, Daryl's teaching next Sunday, right? Correct. Right. He won't be teaching on this. He's going to be teaching on something else. We'll come back on the, the 17th for our final lesson before the end of the year, and then we won't have Sunday school the last two weeks of the year, and we'll pick back up. But we will summarize what we, carry, what we covered today and introduce the, the unholy trinity next time we, we have this lesson, and then we'll pick up in January, we'll pick up the second half of the tribulation.